Johnny mentioned this Connect card. Here's what I'd like to have you do. Should be a pen somewhere around you. Uh, if you just go ahead and write your name on top of it, just, just write your name there. If you're a regular attender here, we've got your information. You don't have to fill that out. If you're not, please give us some way of contacting you just so we can do some kind of follow-up to see if you'd like to get on our email list or our telephone. But here's what I want to do. At the end of the service, as you come to the Lord's table, I'm going to ask you to write something on this card just one word maybe you'll you'll get to you'll have the pen so you can decide what you're comfortable writing but I'm going to ask you as part of your presenting yourself to the Lord to come to the Lord's table just to bring it you can turn it face down so nobody else can read it and we'll go over these and pray for you and if necessary if you indicate you want to talk about something then we'll connect you with that as well but I'd like to see I'd like to see 100% of you bring a card and just give us some kind of, you know, it's almost like I know some pastors do uh, text during the sermon. You know, I, I've told you, I wouldn't mind, you know, giving them a text number and let them ask what questions I didn't make clear. And after the sermon, I'll see if we can clarify it. We, uh, we're still working on ways to make this more interactive as we go through the scripture together. But I, I'm warning you ahead of time, okay? So I hope I remember to make it. Almost awkward, all right, at the very end when you get there, all right? Take that, uh, whatever you're using, your own personal Bible or this journal that we gave you that you can write, and, and let's look together. Actually, I'd like for us to back up and grab verse 41 because what we're about to see here is how the movement started. The church is a movement. It's not a building. I try so much to use language to build culture, and the language that I want to use to build culture is this is the church house we're in. This is not the church, okay? We have good memories when we walk in this room. We have memories of singing together and studying together and laughing and eating together. We have all kinds of memories as we walk in this room, and I hope for you they're good. They're really good for me when I walk in this room. And there is a sense of expectation and a sense of love and acceptance when we, we walk in this room. But it's because of being in the presence of God's people in this room that we think about church. The church is not a building with a steeple, as we've erroneously taught our children in, in, uh, back in the nursery rhyme. Here's a building, here's a steeple, open the church, say all the people. That's wrong. Good theology is here's a building, it may or may not have a steeple, that's not the point. But if you want to see the church, you've got to look at the people. This is the church, little wiggly fingers. And you can take your index finger this morning, if you like, and still point to your heart and say, I am the church. Because you, born of God's spirit into his family, you're the church. And we're the church gathering here. Now, here's what we're about to look at. This is the very first snapshot we have of church very first one Jesus had just been raised the spirit has just come upon the people of God and now as they respond to God we get to see we get to peek into the very first church we get to peek into their normal week of what it was like for them to be the church this one passage some churches use this passage to describe their whole purpose and mission statements right here in this passage. This passage has in it the marks of a healthy church that I want you to see. 
We're going to take a little time just to walk through it, and we're going to walk through the marks of both the attitude and the activity of what it means to be the church. And as you look at these marks of a healthy church, then you can't help but kind of be looking in a mirror to see, is, is that present in me? Is it present with us? Does this describe my life? Does this describe my approach to being a follower of Christ? Are these marks marks of my life? You, you've got to listen as an individual. And I pray we will listen corporately of how these things go together. Now, I tried to see if I could put it all back over here, but it was counterproductive to how I did my study. So uh, this is often how I study for, for, to preach. I take Bible Gateway, it's my preference, online. So if anybody ever listens to this on the web, I'm giving them a plug, all right? Bible Gateway is my particular way I prefer to do it. I, I take and copy it. And I put it over on a, just a regular old Word doc, and I just scribble all over it, looking at things that I wouldn't want to have permanently written in my Bible because it's so messy, all right? But I want to see how these things interact with each other. So can, can we do that for a moment? Can we just kind of walk? You can scribble all over that. That's why we gave you the journal. Can we look at how these verses go together? The very first thing, we're going to see the attitude that marks the church, Okay. Verse 41 says, they received the word and they were baptized. So there's a hunger for God's word. That's the very first attitude that I see. They were hungry. They, they had a desire to know God. You know, it, it's very interesting to watch the fire and the hunger of a new believer. To see those who have just come to Christ and desire for somebody to talk to them about God. And how do they know God? And how do they walk with God? And what's it like? Uh, I was just flipping through some Facebook friends the other day, uh, trying to make sure I'm paying attention and communicating. And I, I saw Dewey's picture. Now, Dewey, I had the privilege of being there when Dewey uh, understood the gospel and invited Christ into his life. I watched he and his wife and his daughters as they came running down the aisle to be baptized. Dewey was, was and still is, a pretty big dude, all right? Uh, as I recall, uh, the pastor let me baptize Dewey, and uh, I, w I was glad that he could bend his knees and I could get him under the water, all right? I'll never forget the day that Dewey came into my office. He came in, and he, he shut the door, and he walked over and he pulled up a chair and he, he leaned over my desk and he said, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to give me an honest answer. I said, Dewey, I always try to give. I mean, he was very intense. He said, I mean, really, I want you, I want you to tell me the truth. I said, Dewey, I always try to tell you the truth, man. What, what are you, what's the problem? He said, is this going to go away? I said, what? He said, everybody tells me I'm too excited. They tell me that this is going to wear off and that I'll lose this great desire to study God's word and know about Jesus and tell everybody about Jesus. And I'm just a baby at a very beginner and I'll get over it and I'll finally start living a normal life. Now tell me, is it going to wear off? I said, Dewey doesn't have to. What you've encountered is what I would call the cold water committee. All right. 
the, the people in the church who don't like it when somebody's really excited because it makes them look like they're not exciting, so if they can calm them down, they won't look as bad, right? I mean, so you see that kind of attitude, and hey, I've, I've been doing this a while. There have been times that I've, I've seemed more excited than others, but I'm so glad it didn't wear off in Dewey. Everything I can still read, he went on to be a lay pastor, did air conditioning and heating repair during the week and preached at a little church on the weekend. Uh, I'm, I met him one time a few years later. He said, now, now Pastor Al, listen, it's, it's a Methodist church. But they, but they immerse, okay? They, they do that here in Georgia. They don't just sprinkle. They, they, they immerse. And so, and I don't think they really believe you can lose your salvation. So don't get mad at me for a pastor. I said, come on, Dewey. I'm just glad you still want to know the scripture and talk to people about Jesus. Catch the very first word in verse 42 that describes how they did church. It says they devoted themselves. Listen, there is a passion, there's an intensity, there's absolutely nothing casual about it, okay? They were intently trying to know God and his word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were serious about it. That's an attitude. That's a mark of those who, that really is what a church ought to be like. I mean, we ought to come in here, and I know some of you really like using your phone, and you, you look up the Bible on your phone, and I'm, I'm trying my best to get over it, okay? Because all week long, I'm looking up the Bible on my phone, but, you know, I, I kind of like still having a Bible in my hand and something I can, I can circle and write in. I'm just a little old-fashioned. I even prefer to read a book instead of Kindle, but I've got a lot of stuff on Kindle, all right? But they devoted themselves. They were hungry, man. I mean, they were serious about the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? I, I'm just, I'm just going to guess, okay, from what we read before and what we're going to see later. The apostles had been taught by Jesus as they watched Jesus. They'd been taught about the work of the kingdom, but they, they never got the thread of how the gospel was that he would die and he would be raised from the dead and that he would ascend into heaven and he would turn over the work of his body, the church, in this mysterious thing we call the church age. And finally, one day, he would come back and he would close it all up and he would be the king of kings, lord of lords forever, and everybody would know it. The apostles got that. It took them a while, but they got that. And then Peter stood on Pentecost today, and he said, watch how the Old Testament fits together. It's kind of fun for me. I know all of you haven't been here every week, but I've been here most weeks. It's kind of fun for me to look back and see the story of God, of how we looked at all those Old Testament things, and then we looked at what happened in the Gospel of Luke, and now here we are with the birth of the church. What did they talk about? That stuff. They talked about all the stuff that, that showed Jesus was going to come. They talked about all that happened when he did come. The apostles' teaching, they would come together and they'd say, so tell me again, how does this work? What did Jesus do and how does this fit into our lives? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They had an attitude of encouragement. The word fellowship there is the word koinonia. I remember the first time I ever heard that. It's one of the first Greek words I ever learned. 
agape for love was probably the first one. And then this was the second one, koinonia. Now, you don't have to know a lot of Greek words to be a good follower of Christ, all right? But let me tell you why this one's so much fun. At the root of koinonia is the word koinos. I've never found it explained in a dictionary, but it just makes sense to me that that's where we get our word coin because it is a common currency. It's an acceptable currency that can enter into transactions. So you can think about it as commonality. It's something that's shared. But there's so much intensity in this word koinonia. It's the stuff that we share together that we can't explain. It's what makes us from so many different backgrounds, come into this room and have one thing in common. What is that? Jesus. That Jesus died for our sins and that he was raised from the dead and he put us together in this sometimes odd family of personalities and people that we would never normally hang out with, but he puts us together and we love being together because we share this thing called following Christ. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, what is that? Well, if you, if you circle, I, I connected the breaking of bread here down to in verse, what is that, 46, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread. Now, what is this breaking of bread? Well, let me give you two options and yea, barely three, all right? One is, it's just talking about eating. Let's just break some bread. All right? Two, it's talking about the Lord's table. Where when they were eating, they stopped somewhere because they had bread and something to drink there at the table. And they used that to say, let's just stop for a minute and remember. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. Let's take and eat in remembrance of him, and let's take and drink in remembrance of him. Could have been they were just eating. Could have been they were just doing the Lord's table. Or it could have been both. But it was important for them to get together. I've had the privilege of going to a few places around the world, and there are plenty of cultures that having a meal together is a really big deal. It's part of what it means that we're in this thing together. It's more than just what you eat, it's that you eat, okay? And that you're sitting there together, taking food together, and it shows that you're sharing life together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayers. Now, the first attitude that I want you to see is they were hungry. The second is they were devoted. Now, I want you to see that they were worshipful. Verse 43 says, and all came upon every soul. Maybe you have another translation there. Some would say fear. Let, let me tell you what, as best I can understand, this phrase and word means. There was a sense and there was an expectation that they were in the presence of God. Nothing casual. I mean, it was 
confrontational because sometimes to get in God's presence you realize that he's different than you and he's holy you're not and you can't fix your own sin and that that's a good place because you can repent and trust in Jesus I mean there was that sense of awe there was a sense of comfort that God's present he's bigger than me and he can handle it and he's at work there was a sense of expectation that God was going to do something is that is that what it's like when you come to church on Sunday morning I know Sundays are different. I mean, you can just tell by the size of the newspaper. But, I mean, you, you know, you can, you can tell that Sunday's different. You, you see people out running that would normally not be doing that this time of day. You, you, you notice that there's not much traffic on the road when you start trying to come to church because people aren't going through that drill. But there's something about when the people of God are coming together there's an expectancy. Hey, we're going to go talk to God together. We're going to sing together. Uh, we're, we're going to encounter God's presence together. A sense of awe was on every soul. Many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Things were happening that they couldn't explain except the Spirit of God had come upon them. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God had been a pillar of fire leading them, or a burning bush speaking. And now the fire had come upon them and gone into their hearts and set their soul afire. And they had an incredible expectancy that they were sharing in about the presence of God. Listen, they were worshipful. There was a Godwardness. Maybe it's just my... Um, particular word processor but it didn't recognize god wordness so i said fine i'll just make it up if it's not a real word it's sure a real attitude there was this worshipfulness there was this godwardness about their lives they knew that god was at work and it says that everyone who believed were together there's that word fellowship again and they had all things in common. There's that word koinos again. It's just all through here. This fellowship, this being together, this commonality. But not only was there a hunger and a devotion and a worshipfulness, there was an interdependency and a generosity that was on display in this first gathering of the people of God called the church. Notice what it says. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There are some that come to the New Testament, take that one little section out and say, see, that proves that communism is the appropriate way to go, not capitalism. Now, I personally don't see a competition between those two philosophies right here in this passage because it doesn't have anything to do with the governmental uh, economic structure of a society. This has everything to do, though, with the structure and the attitude of the people of God. If I've got something and you need it, what did John say? If you have this world's goods and you see your brother in need and you close your heart to him, the love of God is not in you. 
There's just something about being with someone else who's a follower of Christ. And when you look at them and you've got something and they need it, hey, you can have it. You see, their stuff didn't have them. The stuff didn't own them. They had such a generosity about their lives. It was this fragrance of taking care of each other. That's what family members do. Now, there comes a time when a family member, you say, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's later in the New Testament, all right? There, there comes a time when you tell somebody to be responsible and you can't be enabling them in their sin. I, I get that. But this beginning attitude that shows the mark that becomes a root that flows through the people of God is they are generous and they are interdependent in the way they do life together. You know, I could just talk and talk about every one of these points. Uh, you probably wish I'd use my notes more so I could actually move through it, all right? Look at that attitude. Day by day, they were attending the temple together. They just wanted to be together. Now, th- keep in mind, we're dealing with a society that had certain patterns of prayer that we don't have that went through certain rituals and things that we don't do. But these Jewish background followers of Christ immediately turned their rituals and their approaches on its head because they were talking about Jesus when they were doing this. They were going to the temple together. Then they were going in their homes together. What a great pattern of publicly and from house to house. The word that they were in their homes together, some, some of your translations even read house to house, it's the word oikos. We've talked about that before. It, it means it's not just a brand of a Greek yogurt, all right? Oikos is an idea of a household. That's what the Greek word means. And it's just talking, not just talking about your family members biologically, but it's those who work together, do life together, live, work, play is a good way to think about it, all right? It's living scent, and they did that in the temple and in their homes and they were receiving their food with gladness and generous hearts they were willing to be simple in their generosity the translators debate over whether to translate that they received their food with glad and generous hearts of whether it should be simple hearts because it is a two-edged sword I'm going to be simple so I can give to you so there is a sense in which there's a minimalist attitude to, I don't need a bunch of stuff. I just, I need to be able to serve Christ. Now, I probably just want to stop right here for just a second and say, you know, I was in a position called missions mobilization. I'd go into churches every week and I'd preach on missions. And when I'd start talking about if you can't be a missionary, you can support a missionary. When I get to that point somehow in the message, I would watch certain people go, you're just trying to make me feel guilty and make me give more money. And, you know, I could just, I could read it all over the attitude of the people listening. And I would usually just stop and say, no, wait a minute. Look, God doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need your stuff. He just doesn't want you to keep stuffing yourself with your stuff and thinking you've got something. Because your stuff is just stuff. And when you die, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse taking all your stuff with you. You leave it all here. We all do. 
The only thing we have is what we put there before we go there that lasts. And so this attitude that was in the church, they were generous and they were sharing and they were happy about it because they knew that God had done something in their life and opened up their hearts and opened up their hands to do this together. Verse 47 says they were praising God, having favor with the people. They were worshiping together, all right? And every day there was a worshipfulness. Now look at the result. Boy, I just loved it when Johnny read it this morning. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's where it ends. It ends with people saw Jesus in them so much that they wanted to know Jesus too. Now those are the marks that become the attitudes that they displayed. Let me just go over a list one more time of the activities. They received the word, verse 41. They were baptized as followers of Christ, verse 41. They were committed to the word, verse 42. They had fellowship and they had heart sharing and soul sharing, verse 42. They were breaking the bread together, the Lord's table. They were sharing their meals together and they were praying together, verse 42. They were in awe. They could sense the weightiness of God's presence, verse 43. They were together. They were meeting needs. They were going to the temple daily. They were praising God. They had grace with all the people they encountered. And the results were they shared their faith. Those are the marks. Can I talk to you for a moment about the motivation that you see coming off these pages? You don't see anybody standing up saying, hey, we've got this thing that the church needs to do and uh, we need some people to sign up to take care of this. I I know eventually they had to get to organizational structures. But there was no guilt motivation. There was no programmatic motivation. There was no begging and pleading motivation. The people, on the other hand, were begging and pleading for the opportunity to get in on what God was doing. There should never be a problem with a church in volunteerism. Never. There ought to be every follower of Christ whose heart's on fire saying, Hey, what can I do to help? What can we do next? I'm not too good to take out the trash. I'm not too good to pick up a vacuum cleaner. I mean, what needs to be done? Let's do this together. There's this incredible motivation in the heart of these believers. Now, having seen all of that, if I've done a fair job presenting it to you, now it's time for you to take a little test, all right? And for you to take that test, I want you to draw a cross, okay? I think we're going to put one up here on the screen. And and if you forget what it looks like, there's one hanging up here behind me, all right? You can all draw a cross, okay? And if you just draw a cross somewhere, just draw it on the notepad there, put it in the journal, just draw a cross. And I'm going to show you a simple way to remember the activities in a believer's life almost every single day. And I'm not putting the words on the screen. So if you don't listen and write it down, you're you're just not even going to get it, all right? 
I think I'm good enough to communicate it to you, and you can, you, you can handle this, all right? At the very bottom of the cross, I want you to write the word Bible. Because the Christian's life is anchored in the Word of God. That's where we find out who God is and what He's like and how much we need Him. The Scripture, the Bible. That's the bottom, that's the foundation, that's what the cross is standing up in the Word of God, okay? Now, as it points upward, at the very top, I want you to write the word worship above it. Because through the cross, we come to God. There's a song in the old hymnal, and the chorus goes like this. We come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. We come to the Father through Jesus the Son. It's through the cross that we worship. We have no righteousness apart from Jesus. We have no goodness apart from Christ. We cannot go into God's presence well, let me start that sentence over. We're always in God's presence, all right? But we cannot enjoy going before the throne of God. We have no access apart from our high priest who died for our sins and shed his blood and brings us to the Father and shows his nail-scarred hands and says, this is mine, this, this is our child. We come to the Father through Jesus the Son. So the, the cross points us to worship. You see that all throughout this passage right here in the early church. Now, at the little place where the cross crosses, I want you to write the word prayer. Just if you have to draw a little line off of it, write the word prayer. So it should be reading like this, Bible, prayer, worship. You see how it goes? On one side... I want you to write the word fellowship. That's where we share with other believers who are followers of Christ. There's that koinonia. There's that oneness. That's who we are together. And on the other side, I want you to write the word witness. That's where we tell the world we bear witness to the fact that Jesus died and was raised from the dead and he lives in us. And we tell people they can know him just like we came to know him through the cross so let's review how'd you do bible prayer by the way the reason i like to see prayer right there on the cross beam is it talks about our relationship with god and our relationships with others so you see in a, in a spherical and even in a pointing fashion what prayer is about bible prayer worship fellowship and witness now look up here at me for a second let's let's take a test First, we're going to take a test and see if you know what, what was there. So I'm not going to say the words. This is going to be one of those points where if you're going to do it, you're going to have to say it without peeking. No cheating. You ready? So here's the cross. That's it. Now, why did we do that drill? You go back and read this passage again. And you look at where those things were evident, marking the believers and the individual followers of Christ. 
Now, here's where we really are going to end the sermon, all right? (laughs) Here's where we're going to end. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rank yourself in your regular interaction with Scripture? What about your prayer life? Do you know how to pray? Do you ever pray with anybody else? What about worship? Weekly and daily. How's that working for you? What about fellowship with other Christians when you're talking about the Word of God and how to walk with Jesus and you're helping each other? What about you're sharing your faith? Does anyone ever see Christ alive in you and ask about the hope that's in you? Do you ever give him credit for what he's doing and try to enter into a conversation, a gospel-pointed conversation? Well, if you gave yourself fives on all of those, next week we'll preach when Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All right, you didn't even get my joke. Come on, I'm (laughs) trying... Don't be lukewarm, though. And, and why don't we start with one? Why don't we just start with one? This morning, which one would you like to make your first point of growth? If you could say, man, I really want to grow in, fill in the blank. Knowing my Bible, learning how to pray, learning what it's like to really worship God, learning how to fellowship with other believers, learning how to share my faith. If you just had to do one Which one would be the one you want to start with? Now we're back to the card. Could you just write that on the card? Let me tell you how it will help us shepherd you. If we see that 80, 90% of you put the same word on that card, it's going to tell us something. Okay, It's good feedback for us to know which point do you want to see grow and flourish in your own life now listen there's not an optional one on the list (laughs) it really is how we all are supposed to be following Christ because we're the church just like this and we've been doing it this is how it started those marks ought to be in our life which one would you like to start with will help you grow in a moment we're going to come and take of the Lord's table I'm going to ask you when you come just to take that connect card and just drop it up here face down. And it'll help us know more about how to shepherd you to have these marks and evidences in your life as the church. So would you look this way? They were together in the breaking of the bread in prayer. When you come this morning and you take of this bread, you're saying Jesus' body was broken for me. And when you come and take this cup, you're saying Jesus' blood was shed for me. It's a personal testimony. It's not just a religious activity. It's a personal testimony. It's an act of worship between you and God, and it's a declaration to us that you know God. So don't do it lightly. Let's take a moment and prepare our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to take this bread and drink this cup, 
we know that it's a reminder and a symbol of what happened when you brought us to personal faith. So Lord, today we come and anything specific that you speak to us, we repent. We know your scripture tells us if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, we examine our hearts We prepare our hearts and we proclaim personal faith in Jesus as we come. And it's in his name that we worship and we pray.